This is the AV Podcast Games Edition. Hello and welcome to the AV Podcast. This is a gaming edition for the month of July. I'm Steve Hill and joining me this month is Leon Matthews. Hello, Leon. Hi, Steve. And of course, as always, Mark Botright. How are you doing, Mark? Yeah, well, doing well. Cheers, Steve. So, Mark, uh, what's been the gaming news this month? It's been a pretty barren month for releases. There's nothing really that exciting to talk about that's come out. Um, what do you got for us? Well, there hasn't been too much on the, the software side of things. Um, I suppose the, the one that's riled a few people would be Persona 4 Arena has been confirmed as the first PlayStation 3 game to be region-locked. That's certainly annoyed a few fanboys and the like. It's been... Well, the, the backlash has been massive on internet forums and to the point where Atlas USA had to give a statement on it and they've basically said that it's, it is it is financial and they're saying it's not the start of policy but there are quite a few people who are talking about boycotting you know, further Atlas titles or at least this one until the point is made. What, what's the reasoning for... Uh, I mean, they, they say money but I mean, can you give us any more detail than that? Um, yes, it, it's, it's basically... Um, the yen against the dollar and the fact that it's to stop reverse importation a lot of people think because it's released on july 6th in japan uh july 6th i think maybe july 26th in fact um august 7th in the us that people would be importing it from japan it's actually more expensive in japan than it is in the us and because they've actually released it um, being identical content-wise, so they've the same language tracks, English and Japanese on both. A lot of Japanese consumers might then import the cheaper version, and so therefore it it, it kind of they've said it, it cannibalizes one market for the sake of another, and it and it muddies the waters with regards. But that's all. It- how does that happen? I, I don't understand how that that happens. Is that because there's different dis- uh, distributors across you know different nations and so on and so forth? Yeah. Well, I think it's it's Atlas in both uh, America and, and and Japan. But in in the uh, in Europe, it'll be um, I think it's Zen United and, and P Cube. So it's it's a different company altogether. Um, it's it really is. It's it's a strange one because. The servers are going to be global. A lot of people thought it would be to try and, you know, partition the markets and that kind of thing. But it it really is just to kind of make sure they maximise the profits from all all streams. And and Atlas games often aren't the some of the biggest selling, um, but they're they've got a loyal fan base, and they certainly annoyed a few. You know what? When I when I owned a PS3, when I owned two at one stage, uh, I, I never really took advantage of the whole multi-region um, aspect of it. But the one game I did buy was Demon Souls, and I remember um, uh, I hadn't really heard much about the game, and then I stumbled across a, a thread in the PS3 forums, and everyone was so excited about it. And I took a chance on this uh, this kind this little place I know in uh, in Chinatown in, in central London. And uh, sure enough, they had a copy, and I, I spent fifty quid on this game, and I had a great week on it. It was so unforgiving, but I loved it, and it was also it's kind of the thrill of the chase, just getting the game and knowing that I had it when when it wasn't readily available to other people. Um, that was that, that that was a real buzz for me, but ultimately, it's not really something that excites me. I suppose if you're into um, kind of those niche games, then you would feel like you're missing out, I guess. Yeah, it's it's also, I mean. To a certain degree, if the Americans getting annoyed about it, there's not so much there to to actually get het up about because they're getting the same game. They're getting it a fortnight later. The worry is is that 
for the European release, we often see these kind of things get delayed a certain amount of time. The contents there, it's all, you know, localization should be minimal. It's going to be dual audio tracks and, and dual text should be. So, you know, really, we sh hopefully shouldn't be seeing much of a delay in the UK, but it might slide again, which a lot of kind of Atlas titles being punted out to, to other distributors tend to get. Uh, any other news that we should um, be talking about? Um, I suppose really kind of there have been a few decent quotes out there regarding hardware and now that we're, we've had E3, it's come and gone and, and we didn't really see that much. Um, You're not going to talk about the Wii U, are you? <laughs> Any chance? No, well, you know, talking about Wii U, where where Nintendo lead, others follow. Halo 4's getting Surface support. I saw that coming. Is it is it for the Wii U though, or is it just them putting Surface in Halo because Halo's that popular that it will sell it? How many people, number one, will have the tablet? Um, so if you consider it's going to be minimal to start with, that I suppose the worry is is that it will simply be a few, almost like an app. You know, giving you a few little extra tidbits in there, you know, maps and and the like, and being able to to look at various little extra little stat packs and the like. You know, I can't really see how they're going to put it in there, make it something so great. I think the idea is pretty cool, and you know, there there are certain aspects of it which could probably prove to be um, a very cool implementation of the technology. But as someone who can't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, I, the last thing I need is another distraction <laughs> when I'm trying to play a first-person shooter online. It's not a selling point, though, is it? This is what I don't understand. They're, they're pushing it so hard, like it's this massively new, great technology. Which, okay, yeah, it's pretty cool, but it, it's not going to be the thing that tips somebody over when they're thinking, "Should I buy a new Xbox?" Is it? No, of course not. And I suppose it's it's you know a clear clear example of you know trying to squeeze every last cent out of this generation before they finally announce their new hardware next year, which I, you know I certainly hope is next year. Um, well, and, and things can start getting exciting again. Yeah, well, I mean on that topic, there have been a a, a couple of decent quotes out there in news. Um, Square Enix technical director. Um, I'm going to try and pronounce his name right, Julian. I'll say Mercer on, but it might be a hard seeing there. Um, I mean, he's he's basically come out and said that the life cycles for these consoles is now officially too long. That if they go into seven, eight, nine, or ten years, the quote is it's the biggest mistake these companies could make. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty damning for for someone from such a, a huge company, but it, the logic actually seems pretty sound. Why, why would it be the worst mistake though? I don't understand. It, well, his argument is is that developers who work on a platform, and if then they don't succeed for whatever reason, um, they can't then just shift to the next generation. It used to be, you know, with uh, console generations a bit tighter, a bit closer together, if a game kind of ran into difficulties, it would usually get rolled over to the next generation. That's just not happening anymore. You know, people, if they can't succeed on one generation of consoles, they're looking elsewhere, you know, and it's kind of, his argument is that's actually led to a lot of developers, good developers, going over to look at things like iOS and, and other routes, you know, indie routes. It's, the market's changing, though. I think that's, he's using it, not as an excuse, but I think he's, 
he's not seeing that the market is changing. Just the iOS games and smaller games and smaller developers, like we'll talk about within a game the movie, it, it's just being valued much more now. You know, people are paying less for games and getting sometimes more, if not the same amount of enjoyment that they are getting out of games which cost forty pounds or whatnot. So to say that that's the reason that iOS games, because the console cycle is lasting that long, I don't think so. I think the, con- the next console cycle will come along, and iOS games and Android games and portable games and indie games will be just as big because the, the box is open now. So while we're on the subject of developers, that brings us nicely on to uh, our next discussion point. Earlier in the month, I caught Indie Game the Movie, and I rather excitedly typed in our little reviewer forum to see if you guys had seen it. The movie follows three developers trying to bring their games to the world. Those games are Braid, Fez, and of course Super Meat Boy, a game which we all love and probably own. Yes, I love all three. Uh, do you own all three out of interest? I do own all three. I, I, I think I've got Super Meat Boy and I've got um, I've got Fez maybe. But everyone, I like literally everyone I know has Super Meat Boy. And that's, you know, that's potentially maybe because it's always been in, in sales or discounted at the right time. Um, or it's because it's awesome. But there is also the, uh, the fact that it's just such a great little game. And yeah. To see the guys behind it was just such a a, a, a brilliant um, a brilliant story. You know, they're they're basically um, guys with plenty of programming programming experience um, that took this chance on this this indie game, this idea that he one of the developers had clearly had since he was um, uh, a very young kid, and and just the the, the stress and the you know the the battle that they go through to get it out there, and um, I think had it not been a success, those two guys might have just walked away from the business forever. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I say, it was good to see behind the curtain, um, especially on stuff like Braid, where you, you could see like the concept levels, where he he li- did literally just make those levels and then lay the art over the top of it. And it's, it's quite impressive to see that. But yeah, also the just the the struggles and the pressure that they're under. You know, if if it does fail, then it's it's on their heads, and you know, three four years of their lives. I mean, Phil Fish has been developing. Fez for what was it ten years or seven years or something silly like that? Yeah, and um, and that and that just kind of shows as well. I mean, um, for those of you that haven't seen the film, uh, spoilers, I guess uh, he, he he you know gets very very um, upset at times because of the trials and tribulations that he's gone through, and because he's such a perfectionist, he kind of strips the game back to basics and redesigns it like several times in its in its life cycle. And I, I think you know. If you maybe had a bigger team around you and maybe a, an investor around you that was kind of putting the pressure on, then maybe that would have even helped someone like that because it wouldn't. He wouldn't be caught in this bubble where he's he's constantly, you know, his worst critic. I, I agree, but then perhaps Fez wouldn't have been Fez. You know, if there was investors and other people who could say, "Look, we're giving you money, so this needs to come out," and he would have cut a few corners or maybe showed them a build and they didn't like something, and that's when the other influences come in. And you know, Super Meat Boy is so good because it's two guys, an artist and a programmer, and that artist, like you say, it, he says it a million times in that film that that game is him. To, to be honest, I didn't realise it was so deep. I just thought it was a platformer which was incredibly hard. But you know, Meat Boy is a guy without skin, and Bandage Girl is his other half because she can cover the patches and he needs her to be stronger. I didn't think that deep into it, to be honest. But it was good to see behind the curtain. Definitely, definitely. and you know, they're, they're such personal projects for those guys. I think that that was 
part part of the excitement of uh, of just sort of seeing it unfold and and that they show uh, launch day as well and their frustration at not being front page on Xbox Marketplace. It, yeah, mm. I, I highly recommend the film and uh, and Mark, you definitely need to go out and see. It seems like me and Leon are always giving you recommendations. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean it, it was probably I think it was Leon who put me first onto Super Meat Boy, but I mean. Uh, asking about this as a film i mean is this say something that they've um kind of documented for their own purposes or is it specifically like a documentary like a, a film crew that have approached them to to kind of you it's know, a proper documentary and, and they've, they've shot it in a very, a very cinematic style they've used um canon 5ds which uh i don't it's know beautiful. yeah i mean it's uh, give a really great great look um for a very very small outlay uh, which means that you know lots of young budding filmmakers can um get out there and shoot really high quality stuff if they've got an eye for it and uh and, and uh, it was a it was a kickstarter wasn't it was that right i didn't even know i didn't even know that. yeah that's why at the end the credits are about a million hours long because it's got every single kickstarter person's name in there a lot of kind of these um documentaries that tend to touch on gaming like there have been a few about kind of arcade gamers and pong and that kind of thing um they tend to focus on it as almost being a, a slightly dysfunctional thing you know as if it's it's kind of it's a it's a weird subculture in itself uh, to be viewed in a kind of social anthropology kind of way i mean is it kind of is it made respectfully is it is it oh, yeah. looking at the the human element properly totally it's all about the human element it's a character story really it's a character story about phil fish it's about the super meat boy guys i mean to be honest one of the super meat boy guys like the programmer i'm surprised he's still actually here because that guy is depressed he actually has problems because like he's the guy that you first see when he turns it on and it's not there on day one and he's effing and blinding at the screen and then when when you see them going through development he is one of these guys who's just like eating a sandwich at his desk and being really depressed all of the time and then you've got the other guy who's with his missus and he's he's trying to get through it, and he, get married yeah to exactly how he had the support of his wife which I think is you know showing yeah. real contrast between the the two of them and there's that uh, there's a scene where on the day of uh, day of the launch there he's having uh, breakfast or, or lunch with his parents and he, he just looks like a man in pieces um, mm. a very moving very moving film at times as well it, you know it could be it could be about anything it doesn't necessarily need to be about video games but luckily for us it, it obviously is it's just about people and, and the struggle to kind of deliver their vision and their their passion yeah maybe um, maybe you could do a review of it for the site Mark yeah yeah sounds good uh, do you want to let everyone know where it's available IndieGameTheMovie.com would be my guess. IndieGameTheMovie.com So, as as indie, indie games seem to grow in popularity, each one seeming to sort of be a bigger hit than the last, uh, the PC still seems to be the, the, the platform of choice for the indie game developer, which brings us nicely onto a, a thread which has been thriving this month on the, on the forums in Other Gaming Chat, which isn't the most popular forum, but it's well worth a look if you have time. Um, Leon, lots of conversation been uh, been had in there. Indeed, uh, like you say, other gaming. Not many people go there, but it's a good advert for it because it has some of the best discussions, to be honest. Um, and this one is definitely one of them. Dangerous Dave is the person who started. He seems to be having a few problems trying to get into some PC gaming, um, which leads him to sort of lament why, in fact, he was actually trying 
He says, I know it produces better graphics, particularly given how long the Xbox and the PS3 have been out. The consoles just seem easier. Most major releases seem originally designed with consoles in mind. So even now, when PCs should be at their maximum level of dominance over consoles, I'd still rather play Modern Warfare 3 on my Xbox than my PC. Um, which led to a, a lot of comments. But I guess this is where the PC shines, this, this time in the console cycle. Um, it, it's the longest console cycle we've had for a long time, and so it's been stretched out now. More and more people are jumping over to the PC, getting the benefits of the increased resolution, and increased graphics, and that sort of stuff. Um, Steam has blown up big, so games are cheaper on the PC. Um, so a, a lot of people are singing the praises of the PC as the next generation um, that we're all waiting for. Where do you, where do you two both sit with it? I mean, do you, do you have what you feel is a you know a capable gaming PC in your house? I don't. Um, for, for various reasons, I work at a PC all day, so the last thing I want to do is come home and sit at my desk and sit in front of another PC. But as this thread proves, um, a lot of people now plug their PCs via HDMI into their TVs, um, and they're running them almost virtually as consoles. You can get the wireless adapter and have that plugged in so it isn't really that much different but um i, I don't know other than that I, I guess i just don't really feel a need for it well the cost the cost is quite prohibitive i mean if it let's say you bought a scratch card tomorrow and you know you bagged a thousand pounds um would you be tempted to just go out and build uh, a beastly gaming rig would i be tempted um probably yes um but it's, it's not on the top of my list, to be quite honest. I, I guess I don't really feel I'm not missing anything. Um, who was it in this thread? I think it was Addy B, um, who was saying, I was a PC gamer for years, but in recent times I game more on my consoles. I'm at the point now where I'm not fussed at having better visuals, as I'm more than happy with what the PS3 and 360 produce. I don't get hung up on frame weights, shaggies, anti-aliasing and all that other nonsense. And and that um, and that must you know that must be something which rings true rings true with you because you know you're someone who's very very passionate about your games but at the same time you're not you're not caught up in um, the the enthusiast level of counting frames and um, and benchmarking and and stuff which you know really go, kind of runs synonymously with PC gaming possibly but again that's probably just me personally I, I work in IT so. You know, coming home and fiddling with computers is the last thing I want to do. You know, um, the, the bin man doesn't like taking out his own bins. Uh, it's, it's, it's that sort of thing. I, I really don't want to be doing drivers and changing this and changing that. But to be fair, on on this thread, people are saying that it, it isn't that much of a hassle anymore. I, Although, it really isn't. In my experience, like it, it really isn't. And I've been someone who's, you know, torn their hair out because the latest you know version of this that or the other wouldn't work or there's getting random crashes and that that was something which i would say is probably accurate a few years ago um when operating systems weren't as uh well designed and programmed as they were like now a pc running windows 7 is just it's so solid really is so solid for games and I understand that, and people can tell me that to their blue in the face, but what I, the perspective I come from is I don't need that to enjoy a game. Like, for example, the stuff I've been enjoying recently, like The Walking Dead, um, and I just picked up Quantum Conundrum on Xbox Live today, which is a pretty awesome puzzle game, very much like Portal. You, you guys should check that out. Um, but those games would not be improved by having 1080p and eight times anti-aliasing and this, that, and the other on the PC. Yeah. They might look slightly better, but... The game experiences aren't all about graphics, and the longer we get on in the console cycle, the less that matters to me because it's diminishing returns. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, all the points you make are valid and, and really interesting ones. Mark, uh, you going to disagree with Leon or back up his point? I mean, how, how come you don't have a beastly gaming rig in your living room? I, I build a gaming PC. Uh, Christ, this must have been some years ago. And I, to be honest, I, I did get into it and, and Steam was the main thing that seemed to convince me because all the talk about drivers and all the talk about you know latest versions and getting things working steam has been an absolute marvel it's 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 a miracle for me for for pc gaming it just takes all the hassle out of it but my, i suppose my main kind of issue with it and why i haven't gone down that route that much is because the point was made in the thread um, by absalon saying that consoles are basically holding back the minimum and maximum settings for PC games for the last few years and that seems quite prevalent that that again when we talk about what the PC can bring with this you know increased you're basically getting next gen hardware now in, in the latest PCs and latest graphics cards you know you're seeing things that we'll see in the next generation of consoles but it always seems to come down to you know levels of AA levels of you know various different things you know resolution and the like it, it's very it's, it's not very often that you hear anyone really talking about well this actually changed the physics of the game or anything like that you know the the the, the basic game underneath it all is is now primarily for, from a financial point of view it has to be multi-platform and if you can get yourself out of that idea that you have to have the game looking the best it possibly can i mean I, I i play still play little games on the ds and the like you know i don't mind getting a, a silly little you know indie android game or something like that I'm, I'm not really that hung up on it and it's also the thing say the the 360 wireless pad people say well you can play it you know, a game with the 360 you can wireless i would pad. say you can most, most pc games now support it out of the box yeah but what's a PC game without keyboard and mouse? That's know? a whole other conversation, the, the isn't most... it? Yeah, 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 I agree. I think you know we've we've probably transcended all of that stuff now. And there's still the purists that will say certain games, you know, have got to be mouse and keyboard. But if you're playing a single player, if you're playing Batman Arkham City, and you, you know you're just chilling out by yourself, you know why why wouldn't you play a pad? I I played Skyrim um, with a pad on on the PC, and it, and I think you know we all know that it's all optimized for that anyway. Um, but there is the, the, the argument that if you wanted to try and play Battlefield or, or the one that everyone always goes back to is Counter-Strike um, if you try to play that with a controller you just get owned because the, the top top guys are all mouse and keyboard all the way and it's just so much more responsive and, and, and so much quicker See that's what originally drew me to, to wanting to start gaming on the PC was when uh, Team Fortress 2 when the orange box came out I had it on the 360 and then I just tried it on a PC one day. Just thought I'll, I'll give it a quick go. It it was the difference between you know super fast precision and and you know kind of having your hands submerged in treacle or something. Yeah, there was it was just absolutely yeah. night and day. You know, it could practically be a different. Well, they game. yeah, I mean they they all sort of very famously are different games really. Yeah. Com you know, compared to the the, the console version and the, and the PC version. Literally, the content is miles different. You know, the, the game mechanics are different because of the classes and, and stuff like that. I've made so that is evolved. a case where it's yeah, different. It, it's evolved over time and, and been supported and and uh, and had a thriving community. Whereas the, the kind of console release was a, a bit of a maybe I'm being unfair, but it was a bit of a money spinner anyway. It's it's terrible. It was a glitch fest. Yeah. 
yeah. So, where, where, where are we at with this? I think quite a few people uh, answered the thread with sort of, where are we at? I mean, look, the PC is uh, a wonderful gaming platform, and I, I would certainly say that anyone that has apprehensions of having to, you know, do all this uh, graft to get things running, that, that really isn't the case anymore. And if, if you are someone that's uh, into graphics and, um, and tweaking things, then it's certainly the, the place for you. I think it's a bit unfair that people say that this generation of consoles is holding back PC gaming. I mean, even if the new consoles were to come out tomorrow, it would still be with hardware which is in you know lots of cutting edge pcs now so it's not like it's suddenly going to you know exceed um all the hardware that's out there i think one of the big things that people don't realize is that programming games to use multiple cores is a very difficult thing and you know the hardware has moved on so quickly where you've got um you know quad core processors almost as standard now in in, in most modern pcs it's a very difficult thing to code for and uh you need kind of really talented game developers to to do that. So you know it it it, it works on lots of different levels. It's not just about hardware. It's also the people behind the software too. Talking about software and the like. Look at something like DayZ. You know that that's a prime example of of why people still gravitate towards the PC gaming scene. Is because you still get these great mods that you just you know for all the talk that things will be open for gamers on the consoles and, and we had that with Unreal Tournament. We've never seen it to the to the level that it's been on the PC and I don't think... Yeah, that's right, will. Minecraft sort of came out of nowhere and was this weird, you know, cool little game that kind of captured everyone's imagination just because it was so different and so left field and, and this year it's really been uh, DayZ which is, you know, revitalised an old dead game that... Um, again has captured people's imagination with you know this this whole survival horror thing but in a real kind of a very real world setting with night and day cycles and basically where you're you're set up to to to, to lose basically it's it's so difficult either of you tried daisy yet at all no gaming pc so no, no no real reason to play it but i was i was just going to say on the um on the pc front what i was going to say ties quite nicely into what mark was saying i think it's short-sighted to say that um consoles are holding it back but it's not it's not just that reason as well i mean what you've got to understand from a business point of view i think consoles are just a better proposition for a company trying to make a massive game which games are costing more and more to make nowadays um and when you have a system that Microsoft has, I mean, Steam has made it quite good on the PC because there is now a unified system where games can be put out and there's somewhere for people to go and somewhere for people to look at. But if you want to have all your eyes on your game and be charging the most that you can for it, you know, 40 quid on the shelf on day of release rather than a cut-down version on Steam, then console gaming is where it's at. I think that is just where the best returns must be because simply that is where the market has gravitated towards yeah of course i know i wouldn't argue with that you know people they talk about pc sales going up 230 percent or something in this last six months which is great you know that's just great for gaming um but the you know the the, the core audience is still on on the consoles and you know what I, i'd even i'd even admit i don't feel as social on the pc uh certainly not anywhere near as social as i was on the xbox and and on xbox live in particular um i think in many ways something like av forums is is almost the perfect complement to xbox live because you've got your community within a community and while we definitely have that on the pc 
it, it's just never worked on the same level for me and I don't know why that is maybe that's partly me and I've changed but it's just all there for you on the Xbox yeah, the, the whole industry has changed I mean I don't like using bad analogies but the, the thing which is always the biggest and the fastest doesn't always win otherwise you know everybody would be driving around in Ferraris wouldn't they but we, we don't we drive around in cheaper cars because they're easier to run and they make more sense for our everyday lives I feel like we do this every every month now yeah I think we'll probably do it a few more months yet as well it's a big topic now like I well, say it's, it's that time of the console cycle so key point is we've we banged on about how good Steam is but and it's a unifying force if you know EA pull all their games from there you know it, it takes a bit away from there how many more should we say developers decide to move out on their own I mean digital distribution route is going to be possibly the future and EA have come out saying that 75% off sales cheapen intellectual property on well, Steam. Well, do you know what? I thought about something the other day, and I thought he might have a point. And the reason I thought that was because we have a thread going on in the PC forums at the moment, um, which is people discussing what they're looking out for in the upcoming Steam sale. Steam have a very big summer sale every year, and there's some fantastic bargains to be had, or at least there, there has in the past. And it hasn't materialised as yet. The rumour is it's going to start tomorrow. So if you are a PC gamer, uh, follow the thread. And there's um, Tristan, uh, aka Nero, is fantastic in the PC forum. He always updates every day with all the all the bargains that are to be had. So uh, be sure to check the thread. Uh, but the point I was going to make is that a lot of people were moaning that there's just nothing that they're looking forward to. And I made the point that is it Steam's fault or is it the fact that because we've seen a few of these sales now, we've bought all the old games and grabbed all the bargains um, that we're likely to have. And all we're looking out for really is the big games from the last year and, and seeing how much they're going to be discounted. So does does he have a point? Possibly. I, I don't know, the Steam sales, like every, everybody, like, well, I say everybody, one, one of my mates who's really into Steam, he is a PC gamer and, and we have this argument all the time. Um, and then I go over and I look at his Steam list and I think he said to me the other day, I've got 70 games that I've not played. And you're just like, well, okay, so these sales are awesome, but you're buying all these games. Maybe they're they're super cheap, but you're not playing them. You know what I mean? So and 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 he's not he's not a rare case. You know, everyone's like that. I'm exactly the same. I would say I've probably played maybe ten percent of the games in my library. So just because they're cheap, you know, it's it's that old adage, you know, buy one get one free, but I only need one. <laughs> so it's it's not cheaper, is it? I'm, sure. I've just got lots of these superfluous products which I don't really need. But I, I don't know. I kind of I want to get into PC gaming, but I, there's just not anything there to push me over the edge. You've you've dipped your toe into the odd MMO and uh, Eve uh, yeah. be, because I couldn't get that anywhere else. Yeah. So when there's stuff that I can't get anywhere else, like Eve Online, then yes, I'll I'll jump in. And and it wasn't prohibitively like hard to run. You know, I could run it on a, on a really rubbish laptop, so I didn't need to go and spend money to do it. Um, but there's there aren't any many other titles. Apart from a graphics angle that you could say, yes, you should play that because it looks better, there aren't any other titles really which inspire me to go and jump into PC gaming. I think the, the big thing about PCs, for example, is graphically. Uh, people always make this point, graphically it's so much better. And, you know, some people would be hard pushed to spot the difference between uh, 1080p and, you know, the resolution that consoles operate at, which is often somewhere between 720p and, and, and 1080p. Um, but, I suppose the key thing is you can do crazy things like string three monitors together and you know have these panoramic views and it's not something I've ever done but 
you never feel intrigued to try that out and see if it's a more immersive experience for you? No, but see, you've just done it there. You know, you've you've said, "Oh, it can do this." Not that I've ever done it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then why does it matter? Okay, it's awesome that it does it, but again, if if you're not going to use it, then it's not that much of a selling point, is it? Very true. Very true. I I I, I admire those guys that um those that you know that try those things, and you see these really sort of brilliantly elaborate rigs where people have got um you know uh, flight sims, flight and, sims kind of and steering wheels and you know uh, three three huge monitors you know doing ridiculous 5k spanned resolutions and and and, and fair play to them they they're obviously getting enjoyment from their kit and you know who who are we to judge who's yeah, experience I'm, I'm not taking it away from anybody I have been there you know like I've been there with with the PC money thing I was there putting flashing lights and LEDs in my tower and everything and doing all this and then one oh. day I just, the mod scene. <laughs> yeah, I was I was into the mod scene, and then the next thing you know, I, I just I just don't care anymore, um, and and, it, and it's kind of just that for me really. I'm not going to take it away from anybody, but I don't know. Hopefully, something new will come out on the PC, which really does. I mean, I love games, so if there's something which I can't get anywhere else, I'll be there in a shot. Yeah, are we are we all in agreement that kind of PC is having its day right now? But once the new consoles come out, even the people that are saying, you know, I'm I'm with PCs now, that even them that even they will be tempted to pick up the new hardware. Yeah, I th- I think um, PC is having its day right now, but I I I think it'll continue for some time yet, just because you know when this generation of consoles came out, there was lots of talk, as I said, with things like Unreal Tournament that the modding side of things would move over to the consoles and consoles would be able to offer that and that MMOs, you know, consoles would start offering, you know, the decent MMOs as well. And we haven't really seen that. You know, we're still seeing the PC still has its unique selling points beyond graphics as well. It still has those kind of hardcore games that people will gravitate towards that they'll say, look, I can't get that experience anywhere else. Yeah, I think... I think I even think you know I may get shot down for this in uh, in the comments after we, we we release this podcast, but I even think maybe an MMO has had its day because they all seem to come out and go free to play within you know maybe six months, um, and just yeah, the old republics just done the same. Yeah, so and, you know, I mean, if that's going free to play, then that's perhaps not a great sign, is it? No, and I I just I just don't know that the gaming masses. Um, actually care about that kind of experience. No one's really yet to tap into um, something that really does take the world by storm. And I, I, unfortunately, I do think it's going to be something like Call of Duty crossed with World of Warcraft. It's going to need to be something like that that will appeal to uh, millions and millions of gamers. And I, I know there are millions of people that play Warcraft, but it's still it, it's still not anywhere near on the level of uh, of something like Call of Duty. Call of Duty Online was announced the other day. Oh right, so what uh, was it involved? I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, but it's, um, I think it's aimed for the like Korean markets and that sort of stuff. Basically, a way to get Call of Duty over there, free to play Call of Duty. Essentially, it, it is what it says on the tin, as far as I'm aware. Um, whether it'll take off in America or anything like that, I don't know. But it's Activision's way to tap into that market, so maybe that's the one that we're looking for. <laughs> They're in my bad books right now, Activision. If there was ever a phrase that strikes fear in the heart of every gamer, it's uh, microtransaction. And the second phrase is a first-person Walking Dead game, which is what they also announced. Yeah, fill us in. Um, They seem to have just muscled in on this out of nowhere. 
yes, and I dislike them for it massively. It's based on the TV show rather than the comic. And um, we're all fans of, uh, of of both the TV show and comic book here. Yeah, certainly. Um, but, you know, as, as I said last time and in the Walking Dead review, the reason that, that their games, the Telltale games, are so good is because it fits the way that The Walking Dead is based. It's a character-driven experience, and that, that's what you're there for, whereas this seems it's going to be following Merle and, is it Daryl, his brother, and it's going yeah. to be first-person and possibly some stealth gameplay. And, you know, I, I could probably make that game myself. I could probably tell you what's going to happen. Um, and I, I, just, I just think it is them trying to cash in on The Walking Dead franchise and not giving it the respect that Telltale gave it, but... I'm ranting now. Well, uh, you know, at the same time, Telltale's announced the second season of Walking Dead as well, right? Uh, I believe so, which I'm very, very happy about. Episode 2 came out, which, if you want to know, is just as good as Episode 1. Are you going to be following up that up with a review, or is, is, is your review kind of done now? It's Yeah, I, I may do. It's kind of hard because, you know, the game hasn't really changed. It's, it's more just about the story stuff, and, and I don't really want to spoil that in the review, obviously. Um, so everything that I said in the episode one review kind of stands for episode two. Oh, and while we're here, we should probably um, plug Ben Ingber, a uh, friend of all of ours and uh, fellow reviewer. His review of Day Z. <laughs> Say it how you want it. Um, that's on the forum now. That that That's available now for people to check out, Mark? Yep, yep. That's available for people to read right now. Um, he's given it the full treatment and he, he rated it very highly. Uh, what's Steve been up to lately? What's he reviewed? Uh, Steve, he's reviewed Ratchet and Clank uh, HD trilogy or collection. I forget they seem to alternate what they're called. He each seems time. to be the the HD collection man. <laughs> he is. Yeah, I think it's but be- it's because for him PS2 era is retro. <laughs> <laughs> and how about yourself? What you've been reviewing this month? Um, I've a couple of games. Number one, uh, uh, Gravity Rush on the Vita, which is is absolutely excellent. Um, I, I thoroughly recommend anyone with a Vita pick that up, um, probably because it's going to be a very barren few months for you, even more than other gamers. Um, it, it's a it's a bit of a physics bending game, a kind of action RPG where you can where you can kind of uh, bend gravity and, and fly off in all directions and it, it's got that classic uh, kind of crackdown, crackdown style of exploration you know you find yourself actually just jumping across rooftops and, and trying to look what, around what, corners. What platform is this on? This is on the Vita. On the Vita, okay Vita. good. That sounds interesting for Vita owners. And it's it's an exclusive which is good for Vita owners and it, it's, it's something genuinely new and the, and the art style and, and the score you know, it's well worth picking up. What what, what have you been re- reviewing, Leon, in this uh, barren month? Um, I have been doing Spec Ops The Line. If Steve's the HD collection man, I'm the shooter man. Uh, and Spec Ops The Line is... It's interesting. You know what? If this had come out in the middle of shooter season, um, September or whatnot, and it was up against a Halo or a Gears of War, it probably just wouldn't have even re- registered on the scale. Um, but now that it's out now, it's, it's actually, it's okay. It, it's something decent. It, it, the mechanics itself are just so generic. It, it is just Gears of War in a different package, pretty much. But it's the story that they really do some good stuff with, uh, the choices and the way that your team react to you. Um, and it, it twists quite well at the end, to be honest. I didn't see it coming. Um, so I, I would say it, it's a good summer game to sort of play while you wait for something better to come out. The multiplayer, stay away from it. It's the worst thing you've ever played. <laughs> uh, it, it really, you, you don't want to play it. Um, but but the story and the gameplay has has something to offer, definitely. 
the sand dunes, the kind of uh, or sandstorms, I should say, sounded vaguely dynamic. Vaguely dynamic is about as excited as you want to get. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not great. I mean, it's basically Dubai has had a massive sandstorm, um, so a lot of the buildings. Dubai has the most skyscrapers of any city above a certain height. Interesting tidbit. Um, so they've most of them have actually been buried. So when you're in a firefight, instead of a wall, it'll be a wall of glass, and you can shoot it, and the sand will either open up a new way to go through, or kill all the enemies. Um, every now and again, a sandstorm will roll through the environment, and you won't be able to see very far. Um, it really doesn't make that much of a difference, to be honest with you. Um, but it's 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 something else that they use to twist it with. It, it really is about. The characters. What something that I was very interested in was that your team actually change the way they speak to you in everyday combat and stuff like that throughout the game, because it really is about how war just ruins people, um, and you have to make decisions which aren't right or wrong. They are grey, and either way, you're going to be a worse person when you come out of it at the end. Does it um, put it off? We've we've had games that have tried to you know make this social commentary before, and it just kind of ends up all a bit embarrassing and awkward. You know what? It kind of pulls it off. It's not. It's not massively social commentary. I mean, you can't. You couldn't really totally apply it. But let's let's say by the end, when when they twist it, and depending on the options that you choose, I, I had a little bit of a twinge of guilt there. It, it re- I really did feel like they they'd got to me, um, which which was interesting. I wasn't expecting it to do that. And uh, any reviews coming up that, uh, that you're putting the finishing touches to at all? It's a slow month, isn't it? It's it's super slow. Um, I've got a few things going. Like I say, Walking Dead episode two, but there's not really much to review on that. Um, Quantic Conundrum, or Quant- Quantic Conundrum, Quant- Quantum Conundrum. It's something I've just downloaded off Xbox Live Arcade. Looks pretty good from one of the, Kim Swift, I think it is, one of the people who helped develop Portal. Yeah, uh, I heard a little bit about this, and um, the conversation I heard was kind of being a bit unfair. Is that? Uh, justified or you know, has she got every right to be using um, all of the kind of uh, you know portal um, dynamics and all the stuff you come to expect from a portal game it's not that blatant I mean it is uh, you, you look at it and there are boxes there are lasers um, doors open it's kind of like test chambers you know voiceover constant um... yes it's um, <laughs> Q from next generation uh, he does the voiceover for it Um so, so yes, that there are a lot of portal things there, but the mechanics themselves—it's not you're not throwing things, and it's not, it's not portals and going through walls. It's all about different dimensions and weight uh, and stuff like that. So, it, it it does do some things on its own, but yes, it is very portal-like. But I wouldn't let that put you off. So, I possibly may review that, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Mark, you've just published the uh, the rather exciting Steel Battalion review. What do you want to tell us about it? Um, oh God, where do I start? I should say I, I tried to come to this game completely fresh. I tried to avoid all kind of talk of it. I, I, I assumed that any kind of demo would be buggy. I assumed that anything connect-wise would get ironed out um, once it was released. And it's it's very much a mixed bag, um, and it's pretty much a failure. I. I I bought the original Steel Battalion with the 40 button controller. Um, I still remember putting it on pre order. It was, you know, 100. Legendary. Fill, fill us in for the, the, the listeners that have never heard of this game or, or know much about uh, mech type games. Steel Battalion was it was essentially a kind of vanity project. It was, it was seeing how far someone could push what they could get funding 
for really it was a, a on a console 40 button controller you've got twin uh, joysticks you've got a little mini joystick on the top of, of I think it was on the right one as well you've got the you've got a pedal assembly as well underneath and it was just this giant array it came in three pieces that you had to slot together with a little allen key and it was just this huge slab of of gaming goodness <laughs> it it but the, the premise up. of the gameplay oh yeah that, it it was just essentially a mech game that was it it was a uh, kind of vehicular combat um basically a warfare title with mechs that's that's really it there was nothing that terribly complex um in that respect but it it was punishingly hard it was uh, ridiculously hardcore it was um if you, if you died then you know if if you lost a mech you would lose that mech completely you know you would have to eject to to keep your save you know it was it was very much a grinding experience but it was it was harsh but fair i will say microsoft forfeited their opportunity to get me to buy connect because if this had been any good i would have bought connect for this it's cool. it kind of feels like it should be made they made for each other i was ready it- <laughs> it feels like that, and but you just realise playing this that perhaps Connect is never going to be fully ready. That it's just it's it's perhaps just a generation too soon, because it's you know some people said well if if you spend a bit more time with it trying to get everything just right then all it'll track you better, and I can't tell you how much furniture I shifted, how many times I went closer to the screen, further away change the dimmer just slightly and you can get it picking up most of your movements pretty well but the problem is is that connect only really picks up your wide kind of mad gesticulations you know if if you stick an arm out one way or stick an arm out the other way that's fine but as soon as it starts going in terms of depth i pulling something out from the screen in a kind of arcing motion as well it can lose you just all too easily and when you combine that with a, a really kind of hard game that's going to punish you for any mistakes the last thing you want to do is to realize that you're just about to get you know blown to pieces you're lining up a shot and all of a sudden your character pulls back into the middle of a cockpit and you know you're looking in completely the wrong direction or something it's you realize that in fact a certain amount of gameplay relies on you to at least be able to twitch or you know if you're playing a driving game you want to be able to move the controller in your hands and because steel battalion heavy armor uses both the controller and connect you have to keep your hands pretty much perfectly still so are you saying to me you can never imagine a time where motion control is going to be something that you actively seek out in a game that you want to see in a game because the implementation is right no, I'll say that I will continue to seek it out in the same way that I bought a Connect all too soon. Um, Realised there were no games for it that you know I bought the Wii, and in the same way that I'll buy the Wii U. You know, I'm a sucker for this kind of technology. I'm sure that it will come of age, and I was, I was hoping that this would be the title that would do it. Unfortunately, it isn't. Um, it's in fact, if you strip away everything regarding the Connect with from the game, it's actually pretty linear it's it's a pretty boring dull mech game um there's not a great deal that goes on there are a few interesting things in terms of um you can lose teammates you know uh, squad members you know if your loader dies then you have to manually load and things like that you um, give them water and stuff can't you 
Yeah, yeah, you you can take things from them. You know, there are various different moments where you have to make various gestures, but it, it obviously can't go through all of these different gestures that you have to make. So you have to, to a certain extent, guess what it is. You know, when you have to punch one of your, your team members or you have to drag a guy back into the cockpit. They should have reissued that controller, by the way, the Steel Battalion one. It would have, it would have sold out. Exactly. Everyone wanted it. I don't understand why it, why it wasn't. I mean, if you look at the price of something like Connect, how much that cost. If you look at how much some of the, the you know the G twenty five or whatever steering wheels and the like, you know, hardcore peripherals still sell massively well. There's still a great market there for them. Well, it's part of the immersion, isn't it? And like you know, the controller that we're talking about in this instance, I mean, it really is kind of the the total embodiment of immersion. I mean. You wouldn't want any distractions while you're trying to use one of those. Oh, well. No, I, d- I definitely hope that one makes it to market. We can dream. Brilliant. Well, a- a- as you've probably gathered, listener, June hasn't been uh, a brilliant month for games. Uh, thankfully, though, in July, Mark will be pu- pushing out his review of Jonah Lomu Rugby. Yes, I can already... Ah. I have it in hand right now, John Lomu Rugby Challenge on the PS Vita. I think I can pretty much guarantee that this is going to be the Vita game of the month. Because as far as I can tell, there's nothing else actually being released on the Vita this month. <laughs> Seriously, are they leaving that thing to die or what? What's, what's going on? I have absolutely no idea what's going on. It, it's it's Perhaps it's just the summer months. Perhaps it's, you know, there, there's no point pushing out anything at the moment. Um but my god, it's it's dire, it's barren out there. I would be seriously annoyed if I'd purchased a Vita on launch and it's just sitting there gathering dust. Guys, looks like we've uh, covered pretty much everything we can left uh, to cover in June. Uh, thanks so much for your time. I've been Steve Hill. Thank you, Leon. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Cheers, Steve. And we will catch you all again next month. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Forums podcast is copyright M2N Limited.